0: Good evening, and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another blood-curdling edition. I have a great, yet admittedly strange episode in store for you this evening. A lot of odd stories that were very difficult to categorize. But, if I'm honest, it's collections like these that have the potential to make amazing episodes so let's go ahead and get at it and before we launch into our first call of the evening for those of you that are new and unfamiliar with me i call lake arrowhead california home it's a small mountain resort area a mile high into the mountains about an hour and some change outside of downtown los angeles now the area here was first settled by europeans when mormons Gold miners and trappers made their way up from the desert floor in the late 1800s. The lake, then known as Little Bear, went under construction as a reservoir planned to send water down to the citrus groves in Redlands, a dozen or so miles straight down the mountain. Now, due to some watershed claims and a few lawsuits, the lake's initial use was never implemented. Instead, some resort-minded folk and early Hollywood producers took interest. Dozens of early films were shot here, leading to many of the stars attached to purchase lakefront mansions. But it wasn't only movie stars that flocked to this mountain hideaway. In the 1920s and early 30s, many well-known gangsters set up shop in the nearby Arrowhead villas. The crown jewel of this operation may have been the social building, then-rumored casino, speakeasy, and brothel the Tudor House, and the hotel across the street, the Brackenfern Manor. The joint, then known as Club Arrowhead in the Pines, and the adjacent hotel, formerly called The Crib, were built by the infamous mobster and real estate developer, Bugsy Siegel, whom you may know as the father of Sin City itself. But more on that here in a bit. Now, given its ties to the mob, You might imagine there were many reports of murders that took place on the properties, even suggestions that some victims were buried beneath the grounds of the buildings themselves. And like with any other place associated with violence, there might just be some sort of paranormal holdover. A number of apparitions
1: have been seen haunting its grounds. From a former caretaker who was rumored to have been thrown to his death from a third story window, to a madam of the night who was murdered or died by suicide and even a young boy who was allegedly trampled to death by horses laden with debauchery and crime it's no surprise this inn is considered to be one of the most haunted locations in California
0: That clip was courtesy of Paranormal Caught on Camera a little show featuring yours truly Season 3 Episode 10 if you'd if you'd like to check out the episode. Now I've moseyed around the grounds during a craft fair a few years ago. Last I heard, the place was actually up for sale. If funds were nothing, I'd snatch that place up and open a paranormal museum. But for now, perhaps an investigation is in order. Now I've linked to a clever little documentary on the properties in the show notes if you're interested. Now it certainly seems like Bugsy and his gang are still around. I imagine his spirit can be felt in his other playground as well, Las Vegas, where he helped fund and design the Vegas staple, the Flamingo Hotel. And that brings us to our first entry of the evening, a story straight out of Vegas and the Flamingo itself. Please welcome our anonymous caller. The program.
2: Hey, how you doing? My name is Joe from New York. I just started listening to your um, podcast, and uh, I think it's great so far. My story, actually, uh, well, I have many stories. I feel like I've I've had paranormal experiences pretty much since I was about six years old. Um, I saw an entity when I was about six. And then uh, ever since then, I've had everything from things flying off of coffee tables in front of me to, you know, spirits looking, staring me down, pissed off at me, and all sorts of craziness, whispering and, and, and everything else. But my story that I'd like to tell you uh, right now takes place in um, 2001. My parents, and myself, and my friend Dave, we had went to uh, Las Vegas and uh we were both 21 my friend dave and i and uh we went to las vegas we stayed at the uh flamingo hotel the reason why i picked this story was because i figured you might be able to do some research or or somebody might have and uh, i'd love to hear what you guys have on it so i believe it might have been either our last night there or second to last night there i wake up in the middle of the night Uh, now my friend and i had one room my parents had a different room down the hall so I wake up in the middle of the night, and I look over. My friend is sleeping. And then I look in front of me, and I see two figures. Now, it it looked like one of them was kind of a heavyset man, and he was standing in front of my friend's bed, almost like looking at him. And it it looked like he was holding something in his hand, possibly a martini glass or or something of the sort. The other figure I saw kind of far away uh, on the other side of the hotel room, I'm not really sure what it was doing, but it looked like something was moving fast over there. Now, the first thing I thought was, holy crap, we're being robbed. But as I looked closer, I realized that these were not living people. (laughs) Since I've had many experiences by this point, I knew to just look and try and observe and to try and figure out what I'm looking at. And I, I, I couldn't. Now, I know people say sleep paralysis. But I had sat up in my bed, and I looked at these two figures, and then I said, "Holy crap!" I tried waking my friend up; he wouldn't wake up. So then I, I lay back down, I pulled the covers over my head because you know it was, it was kind of making me nervous, a little, a little scary. And then uh, I took the covers off, and the figures were still there. So then I rustled around a little bit more, and I, you know, did a couple more things. And then I looked over, and they were gone. A couple days later, when my friend and I had gotten home, I looked it up on the internet, and it had said that the Flamingo Hotel is haunted by the person that used to own it. Uh, he was a monster named Bugsy Siegel, and I, I feel that that might have been the the person I saw. I don't know what the other entity was or the other figure, but I definitely know I saw a sort of portly man standing in front of my friend's bed, holding something, staring. So what this article that I had read said was that he appears in people's rooms within the Flamingo Hotel. So yeah, so that's my story. Uh, I'll definitely be coming back now with some others and uh, I'd like to know what you guys think of that. Thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you, caller. I should point out the seagull was shot to death by an unknown gunman in Beverly Hills in 1947. He never saw the Flamingo in its heyday. And I don't know about you, but that'd be enough to keep me around for a while. In the ghostly form, so to speak. That's almost the epitome of unfinished business. And I've actually stayed in the Flamingo once. I don't recall any ghosts on that visit, but come to think of it, I don't recall much of that trip in general. But that's Vegas for you. At any rate, thanks again, caller, for sharing the tale. Now, our next entry comes to us from the opposite side of the paranormal spectrum. Please welcome Cody from the state of Oregon to the program.
3: Hey there, Derek.
4: My name is Cody. I'm calling from Southern Oregon. First off, just wanted to say I love the show. I've been listening for a long time now and uh, keep it up. Anyways, I just kind of wanted to report, or I guess share my uh, little experience that I had probably about five five to six days ago. I live out in Grants Pass, Oregon, and I'm headed towards the uh, middle of town, taking the same street I always do home, kind of just minding my own business, listening to my music, all that fun stuff. And I get up to the intersection that I normally turn on to turn onto my street to head home. And for whatever reason, I'm looking up the, at the sky. Keep in mind, it's probably about seven o'clock at night it's about October mid-October here so it's dark out but for whatever reason I look up at the sky just about behind my mirror if I'm looking through my windshield I see a blue light bluish green light just kind of sitting in the sky and I kind of slow down before I turn in the intersection and I'm looking at this thing and all of a sudden it just slowly picks up speed and then shoots off into the sky, just directly horizontal. Looking at the map, it would have been headed directly west. And it just took off with such a high speed that I was just kind of baffled about how fast it was moving. And I wasn't really sure what to think of it at first. I went home right away, told my roommate, and she kind of didn't believe me at that point in time. I didn't know what to believe myself. Uh, I've always been very skeptical about this kind of thing. You know, listening to podcasts, podcast, I love all that stuff, and I love my sci-fi movies just as much as the next guy, but never expected I'd actually see something I couldn't actually explain. The next day, I was out in my car just trying to get a reflection on the inside of my vehicle to match up with where it popped up on the windshield, just in case it was some weird reflection or trying to think if it could be another driver's headlights, but there was no one on that road, no one in front of me, no one behind me. I'm a very attentive driver, and so I'd remember something like that, especially on that intersection, because there's usually a lot of traffic. But uh, yeah, no, big, bluish, greenish light just kind of sitting in the sky, and I slowed down to look at it, and then it just shot off into the dark. I had my windows up, I had my music going, so I don't know what kind of noise it could have made, but. I don't know, it was just kind of one of those weird experiences, can't really explain, and just was curious your thoughts on it. Anyways, thank you for what you do, I appreciate all the time and effort you put in making these, and keep it up.
0: Thanks Cody. On the latest episode of Monsters Among Us Beyond, over on Patreon, I spoke about a recent sighting Sarah and I had of something flying and unidentified. Ours behaved more like a high altitude plane or possibly a repositioning satellite. Nothing like the wild encounter Cody just spoke of. I mean the rate of travel alone separates the two. But while we're discussing UFOs in the Pacific Northwest, did any of you catch that light show last Thursday? Apparently something went awry with a recent Falcon 9 reorbit.
2: Strange lights streak across the night sky. Is it a plane? A meteor? A visitor from another world? Well, in this case, the lights that were seen in the skies across the Pacific Northwest was basically space junk. The National Weather Service has since confirmed that the bright lights were likely debris from a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket that did not have a successful deorbit burn. People looking up Thursday night in parts of Washington State, Oregon, and British Columbia and Canada were left speculating as to the cause of the lights, with some even wondering if it was a UFO.
0: Now that clip was courtesy of Global News. Now I guess folks from Vancouver all the way to Portland were able to see it. So check out those show notes for a visual, and thanks again, Cody, for sharing your story. And if you have a true experience you would like to hear played on the show, call the hotline at one 888 608 That's 1-888-608-6444. Or visit the website at monstersamonguspodcast.com for more submission options. And a reminder to those that have emailed written submissions, while I appreciate and welcome those entries for future use in print, If you want your story shared on the show, you should definitely call it in or record an audio file and email it to me. And don't forget, I'm always accepting photos, videos, and other evidence for use in future video projects. So submit those to mauvideosubmissions at gmail.com. Now next up, we join up with Marcy. Marcy, the mic is yours.
5: Hi Derek, my name is Marcy, and I love your podcast. I've been listening to it for a couple of weeks now. I have an experience to share that happened to me about four years ago. I would like to say that I saw Bigfoot but that's not what happened, but hopefully someday. What happened to me was um, I had just finished nursing school and had been working on weekends while in school um, and I moved into my friend's house. I was going through a hard time a breakup, and had to move quickly. So my friends were kind enough to offer me a bedroom in the attic of their farmhouse that was built in 1917. The house is in a rural part of Washington State, about 30 minutes south of the Canadian border, along the I-5 corridor. When I moved in my friend's house, I was trying to get more hours at work and was really stressed out about getting enough work. Um, I started working for a local nursing agency to pick up some random shifts at different facilities and I was working all different shifts and my routine was really messed up Um, working days and evenings and nights and one morning I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning to be at work by 6 and I didn't set my alarm correctly. I usually have dreams several times a week and I've never had an experience like this before so I strongly believe this incident happened to me it was different from a dream because it was an actual physical occurrence so it was about 4:30 or close to there and I was supposed to get up and I was sleeping pretty soundly when I felt my bed shake a little and since I was sleeping I thought it was I was dreaming that someone was moving furniture or something on the other side of the wall But my bed was on the second story in the attic, and there was no other room or anything on the other side of the wall. It was just the outside. There were no trees or anything that could have been bumping the wall. And I remember just rolling over toward the wall and feeling a little annoyed because I was tired and wanted to sleep. Well, a few seconds later, the whole bed actually shook, and I could feel the vibration through my whole body. And... Now, I used to live on a fault line prior to moving into the attic, and I have actually had my bed vibrate in the night before from an earthquake. So at that point, I thought it was an earthquake. As I was laying there contemplating if we were having an earthquake, the right side of the foot of the bed came up off the floor, probably two or three inches, and then dropped to the ground as if someone lifted the corner of the bed and then dropped it. And by that time, I had rolled over onto my back, and at the right corner of the foot of my bed, I saw a tall, slim, human-shaped shadow standing there. There was no distinguishing features to the shape. It kind of looked like it could have been wearing a cloak or a hoodie or something because it just kind of swooped down from the head to the body without, like, you couldn't really see shoulders or defining, you know, where the head and shoulders met. Um, and I couldn't tell if it was male or female and it had no face or anything. It was just a shadowy shape and there was a window behind it. So I could see that it was clearly there and, and then it was gone in a few seconds. I don't remember being scared. I just got up and turned on the lights, got dressed and ready, went to work. I did have the feeling that this shape was annoyed with me, but it wasn't threatening. It was like, get up, get out of bed. <clears throat> that kind of a feeling, like kind of like a parent would be if they're annoyed with their child and they're not getting up for school. That's how it felt. And that that night, I asked my friends if they had ever had any weird experiences in that house, and they raised three girls in that house, and they said no, nobody's ever mentioned anything. There was nothing weird ever going on, and they just kind of laughed off my experiences, um, stress related, and and maybe it was, but it it was really real for me and I've never had anything like that happen before I don't think it was a ghost in the house it may be a being or something sent to get me up so I wouldn't be late for work whatever it was I never came back again but I'll never forget that experience thanks for letting me share and thank you for your awesome awesome podcast and I've been listening for a couple weeks while driving around for work and I love it
0: thank you Marcy Another helpful ghost. I remember on a not-so-recent episode of one of the podcasts I enjoy, Bigfoot Collectors Club, the guys over there had a guest on that talked about the ghost in their house, alerting her to a fire in the entranceway. And it also sort of harkens back to the days when I was building the studio here. The odd voice that I swear I would hear telling me I was making a mistake in not-so-nice-a-words. So I suppose, Marcy, if you were going to experience these strange and often spooky circumstances, why not put them to some use? And Thanks again for sharing the entry. You know, as I was slapping this episode together, it dawned on me. We haven't done a disappearing stranger story in quite some time, So here to rectify that situation is Christian from the Keystone State of Pennsylvania.
6: Hey, yeah, my name is Christian. I'm calling from Pennsylvania. My story, I don't know if you can classify it as an angel or a ghost, but it took place years ago. I had to have been 12, 13 years old. I'm 44 now. My parents and I, were coming through Texas, coming home from two week vacation, Yellowstone, Grand Canyon, all that. And it was late at night and we come through this town and there was a shopping center and this homeless lady with a grocery cart was standing there. And my dad, he's always looking to take care of anybody, everybody. So we, we turned around, went back, found a little restaurant like I said, it was at night, but they still had served. I can't remember if it was biscuits or a hamburger or something. But he, he got her a, a hamburger and a drink. And we went back to where she was. He gave her the, the bag. And she started asking questions like, what if it's this? What if it's that? And the one thing that she asked that I'll never forget is, what if it's manna? And if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think manna is some kind of holy bread or something like that. Well, my dad was like, you know, you don't have to ask all these questions. Just take it as food. And we went to pull off. She took it and we pulled off. And he looked down and he still had her drink in a cup holder. So we haven't gone 20 feet, 30 feet at the most. And he stopped. He was going to put it in reverse and back up. Now, when I said that we found this lady in the middle of a shopping center, picture a shopping center about 200 yards lengthwise no alleys in the middle no nothing and she's square in the middle and when he backed up she was gone no sign no trace no nothing no buggy no woman no trash no nothing no signs of anybody being there and he chalked it up to it being an angel and my mom said maybe it was something that the Lord sent to see if we would stop and help or or what but I don't know let me know if you've heard of Anything similar, I've binge listening all these podcasts. I'm a letter carrier for the post office, and while I'm walking my 12-mile route, that's all I'm listening to. So I appreciate what you're putting out, bud. Thank you.
0: Thank you, sir. Well, given the circumstances, there aren't many options here. But having lived in Los Angeles for a decade, I saw my fair share of homelessness. Tent and makeshift shelter after another, or sometimes blocks. It's a tragic situation that doesn't seem to get the awareness that it really should. But it's in those experiences that I learned part of their survival is to be hidden, to find a safe space to pass the time, a place where they likely won't be hassled. Many times I've been walking down the sidewalk and nearly step on someone sleeping. The point I'm getting at is that perhaps this mysterious woman simply had a spot that she was able to quickly retreat to, and be safe and hidden to enjoy her meal. Now, I know it's not as exciting as a paranormal encounter, but that's an option, in my opinion. Regardless, it's a great story, Christian, so thank you for sending it in. Now, before we move on, a quick reminder that the Monsters Among Us merch store is quickly growing, sarah is placing a massive t-shirt reorder and the brand new posters are here ten dollars a piece autographed It's a heck of a deal and those long-awaited patches i heard they're finally on the way and you know sarah and i are excited to announce that we're donating a portion of the proceeds of the cryptid totem poster design to the navajo water project a nonprofit committed to bringing running water to the homes of the nearly 2.2 million Americans currently living without it, beginning with our friends at the Navajo Nation. So grab a poster, support a good podcast, and a great cause today. That's MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com forward slash shop. Now do you guys want to see some magic? Ladies and gentlemen, the great Elias from Utah.
7: Hello, Derek. My name is Elias Caress. I am a magician in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm sure that you know what a seance is. It's where a group of people try to make contact with spirits or ghosts. Well, years ago, I did a seance magic show. It's where I do a magic show, basically, but I pretend like it's uh, ghosts performing the magic tricks. Well, it is considered unethical to make people believe that it is actually really ghosts doing these things, but it was all for fun, right? So when I first started doing this, I would uh, make it very clear that I am a magician, this is a magic show, this and that, but when the scary, spooky, ghostly phenomena started happening, people laughed. And that wasn't the reaction I was going for. So I started uh, being a little bit more ambiguous trying to make the show a little bit more scary, add a little bit more realism to everything. And what I was going for, I didn't want actually people to actually believe that it was real, but I wanted them to think, like, maybe there's something to it. That, that was what I was going for. But one day we had a guy, a very uh, brave guy. He had a lot of bravado, and he said, before the show started, I want to see the devil tonight. Show me the devil. Those are his exact words. And so the show started. We started doing the the seance, the magic show. And the portion of the show came about where all the participants hold hands and the lights go out. And then ghostly phenomena starts happening. It was really all, of course, just magic tricks. But suddenly the guy's wine glass right in front of him shatters and pieces of glass hit him in the face. I think glass must have hit some of the other spectators because they screamed, and the guy wanted to stop the show right there. I had to stop everything we were doing right then, and the guy was the guy was pissed. He was freaked, and he was definitely not happy. And some of the other spectators are not happy here. But here's the unexplained part: I didn't break that glass. That wasn't one of my magic tricks, and all of the spectators were holding hands, and I went to a lot of trouble to arrange it so that spectators couldn't do something like break a glass without the other spectators knowing exactly what happened so if i didn't break the glass and none of the spectators broke the glass i'm not sure exactly what happened there but i had to stop doing the seance uh, shortly after that uh, for money reasons it didn't really make a lot of money but i hope you enjoyed my story and thanks for the awesome podcast have a great night
0: thank you sir I doubt I would have the same composure that Elias did. I'm afraid I'd then adopt and continue the charade, anything to further terrify the blowhard. The way I look at it, public uncontrollable urination would probably signal my victory. Now all kidding aside, what a wild story. Now it's easy to dismiss magic when you see it on TV or your goofy friend tries to perform it. But having spent some time in Hollywood's Magic Castle, an exclusive club of magicians and the like, of which I was only a visitor and not a member, I'm nowhere near that cool. But having been there a few times, I can tell you, good magic, up close, is a lot of fun. And dare I say, believable. So thanks again, Elias, for sharing your tale, and for sharing your craft. Now as if that last one wasn't weird enough. This next one will take it up a notch. Please join me in welcoming John from California to the program.
3: Hey Derek, this is uh John Quentin from Ponchin's again. I actually just had something happen to me last week that was really weird and wanted to hear your thoughts on it, or if you've heard somebody mention this before, but uh the other night me and my my wife were already in bed and uh I got up, went to the kitchen, got a bottle of water, came back, and I laid down. Checked my phone real quick and I put it down. And I closed my eyes and I can hear a conversation all of a sudden. So I I look at my phone again, make sure I didn't like start a video or a podcast or nothing. And nothing, my phone was was blank. So I put my head back down and I could hear a conversation again. Sound like two women speaking to each other. Could understand what they were saying, but I could definitely hear two female voices. And I would take my head off the pillow and I wouldn't hear nothing. And I would put it back down, and I could hear them. There for about another 30 seconds, and I got up, and I kind of couldn't sleep after that. When I did go back lay down, I didn't hear nothing like that again. So, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of odd. Uh, I mean, I'd really like to hear your, your thoughts on it. It was just, uh, it, was so, <laughs> it was odd. Thank you again, and uh, you take care.
0: Thanks, John. If I were forced to take a stab at a logical explanation, I suppose I would suggest exploding head syndrome. Basically, your brain invents loud bangs, explosions, or even voices, just as you're starting to fall asleep. You hear them, but only in your head. They're not real, audible sounds. So, could that list of possible sounds include what John heard? If not, I struggle to think what else it could be. You know, when I was very little, my cousin, she's a year younger than I am. She had an imaginary friend that talked to her through the vents in the floor. Idril was its name. And it was twice as creepy as it sounds. I even thought that at six years old. Now, John's story gives me Idril vibes for sure. So good luck with that one, John. But a big thank you. For taking the time to share the story. And we're getting down toward the bottom here, but before we finish up, if you love the show and aren't looking for merchandise, consider snagging yourself 44 brand new episodes plus a ton of bonus content over at our Patreon page. Here's how it works visit www.patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast select a pledge level you're comfortable giving, and submit the necessary info. You will be emailed your own link to listen to the entire back catalog to the point that your level allows. You will then be charged that amount monthly until you decide to cancel. Now the good news here is that I'm pumping out typically two episodes a month, so new stuff is coming in all the time. And again, you can cancel this at any time. I promise I will not be disappointed. Remember, the more support we get at places like Patreon, the fewer ads we need to run to keep the lights on. And now, we stay in the state of California. This time, Leo has a tale to tell.
1: Hi, my name is Leo. I live in California, and this is a story about when I was a teenager I was probably around 16-17 years old and uh, my family is deeply religious and like any family uh, you know uh, we're Hispanic when you have visit come over like an aunt or an uncle they would always sleep in the room with the biggest bed besides the master bedroom and that was my room. This weekend my aunt came down from Los Angeles and she slept in my room like any other weekend unbeknownst to me my cousin who lived with them, uh, had been practicing black magic. I'm talking about rituals. I'm talking about, you know, delving into the occult to the fullest. You know, he had little statues that he had made of different demons and things. and I mean, full bore into the black magic. He doesn't do it anymore, but at that time he did. And that's what the atmosphere that she was coming from. So she slept in my room like any other weekend. And when she left, I moved back into my room. It was a Saturday night. Uh, I always slept in my room with the door closed, door locked. You know, uh, the teenager, you know, every teen wants their privacy, of course. And I locked my door, and it, my door was completely, completely pitch black. So pitch black that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face most nights. So I remember I played on my Nintendo DS for a while, and I fell asleep. Uh, I, Upon waking up, you know, my room, of course, is pitch black, laying flat on my back, and I opened my eyes and at the foot of my bed there was a figure now this figure was not you know like the shadow figure so many have talked about Uh, this figure was completely white there was no facial features nothing it was just white and judging by how the shoulders were postured I could tell it was either looking at me or it was looking at the opposite side of the room my bed was on one side of the room facing the closet and the door to enter into the room, as well as the light switch. So I kind of closed my eyes and said, you know, I just woke up. You know, I'm probably seeing things. Like I said, I'm a religious person. You know, I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, per se, up to that point. I stayed awake for about another 15 minutes, had my eyes closed, and then I reopened them, and it was still there. So at this point, I realized, you know, this is not a joke. This is not something that I'm dreaming. This is real. So I closed my eyes again, and I kind of started to think through my options. What am I going to do to get out of this? So, you know, first thought, of course, is to turn the light on. But my light switches on the other side of the room. What if this thing tries to grab me, you know, or if something happens? So I, I kind of tossed that one out. Like every kid, I thought, maybe I could yell for my parents, but don't ask me why. I uh, thought, you know what, my parents, especially my dad, has to wake up early tomorrow, we have church. I don't want to wake them up. My dad will get up at 5.30 to go help out on a bus truck that the church had. I don't want to do that. I don't want to wake them up early and have them be exhausted. So now I'm kind of running out of options, and then it hit me. I always had my Nintendo DS on the nightstand next to my bed. The reason was, It had a very strong light, strong enough to illuminate the whole room. So I thought to myself and said, you know, I can use that to open it and maybe, you know, figure out what this is. So I started to roll over my bed and, you know, very slowly move. And I tried to get there without it moving, without it coming to get me or something, you know, whatever. But I rolled over to try and grab it. And I kept my eye creaked open just to watch it to see if it would move. It didn't. And the time that it took me to grab that DS and open it, it was gone. So I got up very quickly, of course, you know, looked around the room, nothing. Turned the light on and nothing happened. There's nothing there. So I kind of, at that point, I kind of started to get scared a little bit. Kind of had to use the bathroom after that. So I went and used the bathroom. Nothing weird there. I walked back into my room. And as soon as I shut my door, the temperature dropped. It had to have dropped at least 20 or 30 degrees. And I know this because as soon as I walked back into my room, my teeth started to chatter uncontrollably and I broke out into a cold sweat. So now I'm terrified. I hop back into my bed. You know, I laid out two or three more blankets and I'm huddled under these blankets and I'm shivering. My teeth are chattering. I'm sweating. So like I said, I'm religious. So on the side of my bed, I had a Bible that I would read and I had a book that was called The Power Through Prayer. I grabbed both of those and I started to read uh, what I could and I started to pray and I felt the temperature slowly begin to rise back up and I finally fell asleep. Next day I told my mom about it and she was terrified, of course. I told my dad and uh, you know I I had to tell my pastor. Kind of wanted him to help me out to figure out what to do with the house and uh, we were renting this house. And uh pastor said, okay, give me two days, you know, till Wednesday, and I'll come over on Wednesday and we'll see what I can do. So that Wednesday, I uh, went to the church school there, and I stayed basically at school and at church all day. So my dad, uh home late from work, so he didn't go to church. So my dad starts to go through every room trying to cleanse our house, and he gets to his room, and it's the last room he hasn't done yet, and it's got a big sliding glass door. He opens that glass door and he, you know, he starts to tell it, you need to leave. We don't, you know, we don't want your presence here. We're a God-fearing family. And he makes a kicking motion with his foot. And he said that as soon as he kicked that kicking motion, that all the dogs in the neighborhood started to go crazy. And I'm talking about howling, barking, running around uncontrollably. Neighbors didn't know what was going on, you know. And I truly believe that animals can sense these type of things. So I think it sensed whatever spirit my dad cast out of our house. And it's pretty incredible. Uh, my pastor came over after church that night, said he didn't feel anything, didn't see anything. And uh, that wasn't the last time that something happened, but definitely that was my scariest time where I was had encountered something. After that, you know, I never saw that figure again. But to think it was in my room, you know, I've always wondered, did my aunt bring it with her? unknowingly because of what my cousin was doing you know was it a manifestation of those rituals that he was doing at his house so I don't know Uh, but I know what I saw and I'm sure of it and uh, like I said it wasn't the first time and it wasn't the last but it was definitely my scariest so let me know what you think love your podcast just found it been going through it pretty quickly really enjoyed it so keep up the good work and uh, hope to hear from you soon thanks
0: thank you sir It's never a good sign when you close your eyes, open them, and the thing is still there. Something about that makes any situation much more real. Perhaps we're conditioned from tropes on television. But I guess the same can be said for every dog in the neighborhood going off at once. Certainly creepy stuff, Leo. And it sounds like whatever your dad did, it worked. And we're certainly happy to hear it. Thanks again for the call. All right, folks, with tonight's final entry, please welcome Michael to the program.
3: Hello, my name's Michael. I'm currently going through that uh, Hurricane Hannah. I'm kind of stuck at work, uh, so I thought I'd call in my story. So I have an uh, abduction story. So it was 1996. My, uh, my parents couldn't afford a house phone because my uncle had run up a bill. So I would would spend all my time talking to my girlfriend from the gas station across the street. My dad got tired of it, so he ended up uh, buying a a cordless phone. So one day I get home from school, and and I'm talking to my girlfriend now from the house, and I'm like going to different places, like, hey, I'm in the restroom, or hey, I'm in the backyard, and just, you know, typical things 14-year-old, 15-year-old would be saying, I guess. So my dad gets home from work, and uh, I go and I sit I sit in his car, and I'm like, hey, well, I can sit here and talk. And the car is parked in the driveway right in front of the house, and I can see my dad eating his supper. So the sun's starting to go down, and I'm still in there probably talking about things I shouldn't be talking about. starts to get, like, that crepuscular kind of like sunlight, twilight type of lighting. And uh, the, the car was literally parked, like, maybe a foot or two feet from the house. So I'm in the driver's seat, and from the right-hand side, I was, like, at an angle facing the other direction, and I start to see, like, out of the corner of my eye, I was still on the phone, I start to see, like, a white head or, like, a white, a cotton ball head, like, coming around. And at that moment, I guess I just kind of thought it was my grandmother because she had that, that classic white ball of cotton hair kind of thing. I eventually started to focus on the theme, I guess you could just say, as it's coming across, and I'm looking at it, and I'm kind of in shock at what I'm looking at, I guess. I'm trying to make sense of it, right? So it's coming across in front of the vehicle. It's not looking at me, it's trying to. It's like looking inside the house. So I'm talking to my uh, girlfriend, and I'm like, hey, somebody's here to like, who is it? And I'm like, I don't know, know, I'm trying to make sense of it. And it's like looking inside the house. And at this point, my, my father had already gone back to his room or whatever. So I'm just sitting there, and, and I go, I better confront this thing, right? So I so tell my girlfriend, hey, hold on real quick. And as I'm making the movement to put the phone on the passenger seat, a second being, and I initially he didn't see me, but in the, in the process of putting the phone down, it turned the corner, and it caught my hand movement, I suppose. At the very same time, it locked eyes on me. And that very instant... The one that was in front of the car just fell, like it just disappeared, like it like just went down. And the one that caught my eyes, there was like this weird uh, pull, like a, like a movement, like there was this movement that that I can't get out of my head because like it, it's it got me stuck. I, I, when I was moving to put the phone down, we locked eyes, and he did this like kind of like an oh, oops, he's 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 looking at us, right? But when he did that, he pulled me in. And the next thing I remember I'm just getting out of the getting out of the car and I guess like part of me is still trying to make sense of it and I'm like trying to confront whatever's there and all I see is possums.
2: Possums, possums.
3: And which is weird because normally I'm scared of possums, like, you know, growing up scared ate my cats and stuff. But and then the next thing I remember, it's like seven thirty in the morning. And my dad's like, hey, stop leaving this phone in the car because I'm gonna take it into work, and your, your mom's gonna get mad at me, and, 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 this and, that and this and that. And I'm like, what? What? Because to me, I had just been in the car. Like, I, all of a sudden, I'm being woken up and I'm inside the house. Uh, years later, I'm watching something like, or, or I'm looking at something, and I, I come across the skinny Bob footage, and that terrorized me because that is exactly exactly what was in front of my grandmother's house in 1996 down to the very movements of the fingers the way the head moved the way the cheekbones looked if that skinny butt footage is a fake then it was made by somebody who's actually seen these beings because that is exactly what I saw now fast forward to maybe gosh it was like maybe five years ago I just met my current wife and with, all all of all of my experiences happened at my grandmother's house. She's no longer with us. She was with us at that time because I thought for some reason that was her. But anyways, uh, at this point she she was no longer alive, and I, I was living in there with my cousin. My girlfriend had moved in. And It's something about that movement that I spoke about earlier. So I had woken up to go to the restroom. It was about seven o'clock in the morning, and I come back and and I'm I, I, I'm shirtless and I'm laying there, and anybody from the area knows that. The, stripes, the local the local gas station has amazing tacos. So I was like, should I go get some tacos? So I'm just laying there thinking this. And I was like, maybe I should go get some, or maybe I should get, have some for breakfast or, for my girlfriend when she wakes up. And I'm just sitting there. When all of a sudden, the whole left side of my body starts to freeze. Like, But freeze, freeze, like, like a really weird cold. I mean, I was sitting there, and with my shirt off, the AC is on. I can feel the AC, but for some reason, the left side of my body is, like, frigid. And then... I, I decided to cover myself, but I couldn't move. All of a sudden, I couldn't move, and I'm like, okay, uh, this is weird. Uh, this is, this must be what uh, <laughs> that movement where you can't move at night. A- anyway, so, so I'm like, oh, that's what this is. Like, okay, I'll just wait it out, right? So then I'm just kind of waiting there, still trying to decide whether I'm gonna go get some tacos or not. All of a sudden, I realize, oh, I can open my eyes. Open my eyes. So I'm just sitting there looking looking around in the room, right? So I'm scanning the room from right to left. Which my my wife was uh, on my left side facing down, and I was facing up. As I'm scanning the room, I notice that there's this dark spot where the cold is. And then I, I'm I, I'm like, okay, well that doesn't make any sense. Well, what, what am I looking at? They're like, I, so I scan to the left, and I can see a little bit of light light starting to come in for the morning. I scan to the right, I can see to the right, but there's this dark spot right right over me, right next to her. So I start to realize that there's some movement in there. So as I'm focusing, focusing, I realize that there's a being over me facing her. And it's crouched, as you would imagine. I know everybody's seen those images of, like, uh, the succubus or the incubus that's sitting on the person. Well, it was like that, but facing away from me. And it had a little stick in its hand, like a little wand. And it's rubbing it over my my, my wife's uh, lower back. At that moment, I freaked. I'm like, okay, I can't move. And I need to move, so I couldn't do anything. But the only thing that I could muster was a, because I was trying everything I could to get up. And when I did that, this thing turned around and looked at me, and it gave me that same pull feeling, because it looked at me and it it did like, ooh, like like oh oh, but like it was that movement and it had the same shaped head because it was literally right, right in front of me. So as soon as it saw me, it turned around and jumped over me. And I clearly remember seeing the foot trail over, over me and into the wall. At that moment, I mean, I was awake as far as I know. So I I bust up, I sit up uh, and I'm stuck and like, what just happened? So uh, I look at, at my girlfriend at the time and I'm like, should I wake her? And I'm like, so I lay back down for a second, and she wakes up on her own, crying. And I'm like, hey, are you okay? And I'm just wondering if I should tell her or not. And uh, she's like, I just had the worst dream ever. And uh, I had to tell her what I saw, and needless to say, that was the last time we stayed at that house. That house is, (laughs) I've had so many experiences, but those are the two that I can link together because of the way that creature and i i mean i hate to say it but though, that shadow person was the alien and I, I come to realize that the sleep paralysis was being caused by uh the the cold like it was like a vibration almost and after that uh i i you know i asked god like i need to understand this because i've technically experienced this kind of thing my entire life and it's kind of like a long thing but uh if you go into the cerebrospinal fluid and how it connects to the chakras and how it connects to the pineal gland. I knew that this thing was doing something around the sacrum. And I think if people start to study how that works and how their body is actually like a conduit, like a, a, a cavi- uh, cavity for vibration, uh, I think people start to realize that they are just sound and light. And that's that's how all of this works. It's actually pushed me into like the field of study. And uh, here's a shameless plug. You can find me at uh, the Paracosm Cafe yeah. on YouTube. That's it, guys. I hope you like it.
0: Thanks, Michael. There's a lot to unpack here, but let's start with Skinny Bob. Apparently, the video containing footage of the alien entity known as Skinny Bob was shot by Russia's KGB and somehow leaked to the black market. You know, as these things tend to do. I won't dive much deeper, but you can find a link in tonight's show notes if you'd like to take a look. Now back to Michael's story. Michael's wild story. Here we go again with the possum. You may recall we discussed, just last week, two different stories about two possum-like creatures that left us with more questions than answers. But oddly enough, each of those possum-like reports was slightly different. So I did some digging. My assumption was that, like owls, possums are somehow used to cloak memories during alien abductions. But to my surprise, other than a semi-erotic encounter with a possum-faced creature reported all the way back in 2012, I found nothing. I know, I glossed over the semi-erotic possum-faced alien part. That encounter is in the show notes if you're daring enough to take a look. So then I get to thinking, is it possible that Michael fell asleep and was somehow mistaken or confused reality with a dream? If so, what was the rest of his family experiencing that night? And what did his girlfriend hear over the line? Is it possible that Michael somehow hallucinated that these otherwise harmless animals were alien abominations? Somehow, I doubt it. But it certainly wouldn't be the first time a possum was mistaken for an alien entity. On the 400 block of Yondota, something... I'm curious. ...is raising an otherworldly stink. It was just stinking like crazy for how long? About two weeks? Shirley Hanser discovered the smell under her front porch. A neighbor raked out the cause. What do you think it is? I don't know. I got the idea. It looks scary. This skull appears to be the culprit, and to some, it appears to be unlike anything they've seen on Earth.
1: Everybody around here says it looks like an alien.
0: <laughs> Why do you think it's an alien?
1: Because the way it
3: looks, looks like it's got teeth coming up uh, under its chin and, look, and like horns coming
0: down. Ten-year-old Josh Volmer was convinced this was evidence of an extraterrestrial. Josh's mom called the zoo, the Humane Society, then the police. They
8: quickly cleared the air. Yeah, I don't think it's an alien. <laughs> What do you think? Possum. Awesome. Awesome. A possum skull might not get as much publicity
0: as the skull of an alien, but it might be enough to inspire future scientists and storytellers.
3: thought a picture was the back of the head.
0: Are you disappointed?
3: Yeah.
0: That clip comes courtesy of some of my old stomping grounds. WTVG, ABC News out of Toledo, Ohio. So maybe you guys tell me, what is the deal with possums? And how are they connected to all this? Until the answers seemingly fall from the sky. Thank you again, Michael, for sharing your tale. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And keep the party rolling. By following us on social media. We have accounts on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and Reddit. And you can also now find me on Cameo. The terrifying score that you hear is code.ag music and Carl Casey at Whitebat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week. So here's the deal. I listened to your requests and brought back the bonus story. It's here to stay. Now I need you to help me out with something. Please take a quick moment right now and text, call, or email someone that you think would love Monsters Among Us. Suggest to them, and I implore them, to give an episode or two a listen. You know, Sarah and I have been dumping money into the show's growth, but let's be honest, good old-fashioned word of mouth is hard to beat. So please and thank you. And in return, here's this week's bonus entry. Please welcome Rick from Virginia to the program.
9: Hi Derek, I'm Rick from Virginia. I love your podcast and appreciate the platform you provided for those who experienced strange and unusual phenomena. Anyway, not long ago, the topic of praying mantis-type creatures, or cryptids, came up. Well, I have an uh, interesting account involving these types of creatures that may interest your audience. In the late summer, early fall of 2000, I was a Virginia State Director for BUFON, which is a mutual UFO network. We investigated the case Involving a number of different types of phenomena in Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia area. Unidentified triangular craft were seen, nocturnal lights, crop circles, orbs, cryptids, and poltergeist type activity. Anyway, at this uh, particular spot, this location, we uh, investigated a case involving a family that was experiencing these types of phenomena. At one point, our team were investigating a wooded area behind their house. This particular area was somewhat interesting. While in this wooded area, one of our team members took numerous photographs. After the investigation, this team member reviewed the photographs and noticed something very unusual in one of them. Something appeared to be peering out from behind one of the trees. This thing looked like a classic praying mantis type creature, except the head was a bit more elongated, had what appeared to be antenna on its head, and the eyes were or something similar to that of a praying mantis. It appeared to be about six feet off the ground. Considering the possibility that this image may have been the result of what we refer to as matrixing, which is the brain's way of interpreting strange images, we took some control photographs of this particular spot and the tree later on to rule out any of the foliage branches or anything like that that uh, that could have accounted for this image. The control shots didn't show what could have caused the image. It was pretty clear. It didn't, uh, didn't show anything sticking out behind the tree or anything like that. To this day, we really can't account for what was captured in the photograph. And if interested, I can try to find this image and send it to you in order to share with your audience. Again, thanks for all you do and keep up the good work. Take care. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thanks, Rick. And for future submitters, if you have photos, videos, audio, or other evidence to submit with your call, like Rick did, please send when you submit the call. That's easier than waiting for me to ask for it, and it makes organization much easier on my end. That said, Rick, if you're still listening, please shoot me the photo, so I can not only share it with other listeners, but get a look at this thing myself. Now in regards to these sightings, often referred to as insectoid or mantis man encounters, are not unheard of. One of my favorite calls to ever stem from this show was in regards to a mantis man seen in Illinois while a listener was out for a run. I believe that was the first episode of season four or five. But like most cryptids, this one too seems to have a home location. And one that's not too awful far, from Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia. The Musconetcong River in nearby town of Hackettsville, New Jersey, seems to be the reported home of the infamous Mantis Man. So to kill two birds with one stone, to share an experience from that part of the Garden State, and to possibly explain how, if the creature Rick photographed is real, it could have stayed undetected during the capture of the image. Here is a first-hand account from a fisherman named Paul Jacks, who witnessed a creature on the Musconetcon River
8: back in the spring of 2006. New Jersey gets a bad rap. This is actually a very beautiful area. A lot of parks, a lot of rivers, a lot of lakes. I've been fishing all my life. My father was a fisherman, so I started around three or four. This particular day, my boss said, why don't we try going to the Musconetcon? I had never been there before. It was a creepy place. It's not completely in the wilderness, but when you're in the river, very often you're in a tunnel almost because of all the brush and the uh, branches. When we entered the river, my boss asked me, which way do you want to go? This place is just way weird. I'll go upstream. So I started moving, wading across the river and down. That's when I saw the movement. When I first saw the creature, I was like, what, what the heck is that? This thing had the skin of a snake. Where our abdomen is and where all our organs are, it had a very narrow core. The creature's eyes were black, very large, but set in the front, so it had binocular vision. This thing seemed to be very concerned with me. I sensed astonishment, whether it was because I was in the water, whether it knew that I could see it. It was very aware that I was aware of it, and that seemed to concern it, because it never took its eyes off me. It was moving up the bank away from me, but looking back over its left shoulder directly at me. This thing was fading very quickly as it moved up the bank. And all that time never took its eyes off me. It was one, two, three, gone. It vanished completely, but I'm, I'm sure that it was still there. And maybe you question yourself, you know, did that really just happen? but it did it was a praying mantis man that's the only way I could describe it
0: now that clip is courtesy of season 3 episode 8 of Monsters and Mysteries in America so Rick you gotta shoot that image over to me somehow regardless of how you do it my amazing team will be sure to find it and make sure it reaches my hands and for the rest of you I'll share it as soon as I can Thanks again, Rick, for the entry. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Have a good night.